I'm always telling you guys to bring a friend to church, so this Sunday I decided to, to bring a friend of mine. Um, this is DB. Everybody say hi, DB. What's up? All right, here he is. Uh, some of you think the pastor has just lost his mind. This is not a Halloween service. This is a Christmas series. What are you doing? Don't worry. It will all come together eventually, okay? But if you have your Bibles today or your Bible app on your phone, go ahead and turn to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. We're going to start out there. You can also bookmark Luke 14. We're going to finish up in Luke 14 this morning. But we're going to start with Ezekiel today. That's where we're going to be, okay? And while you're doing that, um, I just want to start today by asking you a question, and you don't have to, to raise your hand to answer this one, because if you're from a, a church background, especially this morning, you may feel the temptation to lie when you hear this question. I don't want you to do that, especially not in church this morning. But here's my question for you. We'll throw it up on the screens as well. Have you ever felt like God forgot about you? Have you ever felt like God forgot about you? Now, the answer for most people is yes, but they don't want to say it. But here's what I know. In times of incredible hardship, emotionally, physically, spiritually, there are people probably in this room today, certainly watching online right now, who have wondered if God really even cares about them. And just to set you free this morning, I just want you to know this. There have been times in my life where I, your pastor, have sat back and wondered, does God care? We all experience that. It's a human condition. Now, some of you know that several years ago, I began suffering from a genetic arthritic condition called gout. For those of you here who have ever experienced an acute gout attack, you understand it is one of the most excruciating things that you can experience. It's like right up there with kidney stones. But before I was diagnosed and put on medication to kind of control it, I had attacks all the time and I was unable to walk sometimes for weeks on end as the disease attacked joints in my knee, my ankle, my foot, my toes. I remember one especially painful attack just weeks before Julie and I launched a church that we were planting on the outskirts of Baltimore. And I was in so much pain. I was bedridden for days, and it hurt so bad. It hurt so bad to even have a bed sheet over my leg. It was that much pain. And have you ever had one of those, come on, God, prayers in your life? Have you ever experienced one of those, right? Some of you may be on your way to church this morning. Somebody cut you off in the snow, and you were like, come on. And you told him to peel the banana. Some of you are like, how did he know? Bunch of sinners in here. I'm aware of that, okay? But as I was laying in bed, feeling sorry for myself, I started into a, come on, God, prayer. And I was like, God, you're bigger than this. You're a big God. I've read in the Bible where you've healed people. I've, I've read how you put a flipping interstate highway in the middle of the Red Sea. Can you please... Please, God, make this pain stop. And no sooner had I finished that prayer than the pain that I was feeling actually increased. Anybody ever been there? 
And so I'm sitting there. I'm in bed moaning in pain. My wife, Julie, is so concerned. She comes into the room, and she says, is there anything I can do to help you? I feel so bad for you. And I was like, yes, please shoot me. And I was semi-serious. I was, at the very least, can you get your chainsaw out of the garage and just take off my right leg? Because I was in that much pain. And to be completely transparent, I was a little bit bitter in that moment with God. I was thinking, God, I'm a pastor. God, I know some sinners out there. I've done some counseling with some of them. I could have given you a list of names that you could have thrown this on. Why me? I'm trying to plant a church for you, God. Why is this happening to me? But the reality is that most of us here at some point have felt abandoned by God. Maybe for you it was this year. You didn't see the divorce coming. You didn't see the layoff coming. You weren't prepared for that medical diagnosis. Maybe like me, you didn't see the death of a loved one coming. And so what do we do as followers of Jesus when we're feeling like, God, are you even up there? And if you are, do you even care? Because all of us are going to have those moments and those seasons in life. Now, today we're going to look at a story in Ezekiel to help us figure this out. And it's found in Ezekiel 37. So let's go ahead and dive in. We're going to jump in, Ezekiel 37, verse 1. Let me, um, let me pray for you guys before we get started as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we, um, as we look at this, examine this, this really fascinating story from Scripture today, Father, I pray that, that you would just prepare our minds and hearts to receive what it is that you want us to receive, Lord. Give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we're going to hear, Father, and then help us to be able to, to take the necessary action to make a change in our life so that we can move to the greater plans and greater story that you have for each of us. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's dive in. Ezekiel 37.1. Here's what the word of the Lord says. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. This is Ezekiel speaking. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Now, let me stop right there. If you think the Bible is boring, if that's been your kind of idea of the Bible, this story is going to blow your mind. It is one of the freakiest stories in all of Scripture. And Ezekiel, he was a pretty popular prophet. He was pretty successful in his ministry. And Ezekiel's just chilling one day. He's just minding his own business. And boom, God teleports him. God picks him up and drops him into one of the scariest places on earth, a valley full of dried up human bones. Now, some of you might think, well, that's kind of cool. How many of you like scary movies? Can you raise your hand? Halloween, Friday the 13th. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Look at these people. These are the jacked up people in the room right now, okay? These are the crazy folks in the room. Um, I, I cannot handle scary movies. I do not do well with scary movies. The last really scary movie I saw was The Ring back in the early 2000s, and that movie messed me up. And it was PG-13, and it messed me up. My wife told me not to go. A friend invited me. I got home from the theater after the movie, and I lay in bed, unable to fall asleep. I started hearing every sound in the room, every single creak, 
I started seeing shadows move. My curtains were like, what's up, dog? How's it going? All right? And after what seemed like forever, my body started physically shutting down. It was, have you ever, like, your body's been so tired, but your mind is just racing? And that's kind of where I was at. My body started to drift into sleep, and I was half awake and half asleep. And as I was kind of in this kind of weird state, I heard the bedroom doorknob start to turn. And then my door creaked open. And I saw this figure float into my room to the edge of my bed. And this is what I saw. I just want to show you what I saw. It was my eldest daughter, Liberty. She wanted a drink of water. And I screamed and almost drop kicked her across the room. My wife, Julie, jumped awake and she was like, I told you, you shouldn't have seen that stupid movie. But can you imagine, can you imagine for a second, you're sitting at home on Facebook, checking out TikTok, and all of a sudden, God teleports you and drops you into the scariest place on planet Earth. But then it gets worse. Check out verse 2. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Now, this next part makes me smile a little bit because God then asks Ezekiel a question. Have you ever gotten a church question? This is a church question from God. It says this in verse 3. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now, if we're Ezekiel in our mind, we're not probably thinking the answer is yes. Maybe if the people were wounded, lying there moaning. Maybe if they just died because God has healed the sick. I mean, Jesus raised a guy from the dead after four days, his buddy Lazarus. But these were bones. Biblical scholars believe that a huge battle had taken place in this valley between an Israelite army and an enemy army. And the Israelite army was wiped out, like in devastating fashion. And the enemy had basically robbed them of all their possessions and had left the bodies there to rot and be devoured by wild animals until all that was left in this valley were dry bones. And for those people, can we just agree that life was over? That the situation seemed hopeless? None of us would have probably been like, yeah, God, I think they can all live. But here's how we know that Ezekiel probably went to church growing up because he gives an awesome church answer. God asked this question, and Ezekiel's probably thinking, no, they can't live. What are you smoking, God? But he's talking to God, so he can't say that. So he gives a great church answer. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? I don't know. What do you think, God? And then God gets a little bit crazy. Here's what it says. Then he said to me, Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as he commanded And as I was prophesying, 
there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So Ezekiel starts preaching to these bones as God has commanded him to, and all of a sudden he sees bones shooting across the ground, connecting together, tendons, muscles, skin forming. And if I'm Ezekiel, the next verse in Scripture is, and then I peed my pants and started screaming like a small child, right? It's like something out of The Walking Dead. It's supernatural. It's scary. It's freaky. The story continues on in verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. This is what happens when the word of God is preached. People get saved and lives are changed. In fact, the Bible says that when you were saved, you didn't just go from unsaved to saved. You went from death to new life eternal. Verse 11, and then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up for them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. And when I open your graves and I bring you up from them. There are some of you here today. And I believe those verses describe your spiritual condition. Bones that are very dry. You feel spiritually dehydrated. And, and you might have joined us today live or watching online, and you're thinking, I don't even know why I'm in church right now. I haven't felt God in a long, long time. But here's what I believe. I believe that God wants to speak to you today. I don't think it's an accident that you're here or you're watching. And from this story, I want us to unpack just two simple things this morning. But these two things are critical for us. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one, Jesus cares. Jesus cares. In, in fact, if you take one thing away from today's message, I really hope it's this, that you understand that Jesus cares. See, there are people here today that are convinced that God doesn't care about them because of what they're going through. And let me tell you something. It's a legitimate feeling. And if we all got together and you were able to come up here and share your story to everyone, I'm sure it would be heartbreaking when we hear it. It's legitimate what you're feeling. It's totally legitimate. But that's why when you and I, as followers of Jesus, when we deal with difficult times, we don't need to focus and hyper-focus on our story. Instead, we need to fix our eyes on our Savior. Because if our story defines us and defines our life, we can easily get trapped in depression and anxiety. But if we allow our Savior to define us, despite what we're going through, there is always, always hope.
Now, if you're a Christian here today, let me remind you of what your story is. Because there's one thing we all have in common as followers of Jesus. The one thing we have in common is that our story is this. This is who you were before you had Jesus Christ in your life. This is who you were. You were dead. You didn't just have issues. You weren't just wrestling with some stuff. You didn't just make a few mistakes. If you consider yourself a Christian, you were spiritually dead and God saved you and gave you a new life. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2 said, we were dead in our sins. Well, how do we get that way? We were born that way. And we've talked about this before, but nobody had to teach us how to sin, did they? If you're a parent here this morning, can you raise your hand? All of you get this intuitively, right? Did you have to teach your kids how to cry or scream or whine or say mine or break things in your house? No, we were all born with this sin nature, this original sin from Adam and Eve that has come down through the human condition. We were born with sin, and sin, Scripture teaches us, equals death, spiritual death, separation from a holy, perfect, righteous God. And none of us, none of us are good enough to earn salvation through our good deeds because the standard is perfection. In the story we just looked at, did the bones come alive because they worked hard and deserved it? No. They came back to life because of the grace and mercy of God. If you're a Christian here, that's your story. That's my story. We were dead and God gave us life. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you're watching online this morning and you're not a Christian, we are so glad that you are with us today and we have great news for you. Our God is a God of love and mercy and grace and he specializes in bringing dead things to life and in supernatural transformation. I know this because he did it with me. See, this is who I was before I met Jesus. And here's why this is so important. If you're a follower of Jesus, he brought you from death to life and he cares about every single aspect of your life, every aspect. The Bible says that God knows every single hair on your head. And one of the greatest things that you can grasp in your life is this understanding, this incredible, incredible truth that Jesus cares about you. Now, some people push back on that and say, but pastor, my circumstances don't show that Jesus cares about me. I'm here to tell you today that a blood-stained cross and an empty tomb says that your Savior cares about you. You and I are not defined by our story, but by our Savior who gave his life for us, who brought us from death to life. God moved and gave us the biggest miracle when we were in our greatest need. When we were dead in our sins, he sent us a Savior. And that is what Christmas is all about. And your story may say you're alone, but your Savior says, I am with you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Your story may say your situation is impossible, but your Savior says nothing is impossible with me. Your story may say something in you has died, but your Savior says I specialize in bringing dead things back to life. Don't let your story define you. Let your Savior define you. As long as you look at your Savior, there is always, always hope. Which leads to point number two this morning. Because Jesus cares, we should care. Because Jesus cares, we should care. One of my favorite places to take uh, my kids to eat is Friendly's. Um, I love their buffalo chicken strips, their onion rings. But the real reason we go to Friendly's, maybe the real reason you guys go to Friendly's too, is because of the what? The ice cream, that's right. Every time we go to Friendly's, I am a creature of habit. And my favorite ice cream to order is the chocolate peanut butter cup milkshake sundae thing. That's like my favorite thing to order. It's basically like drinking a Reese's peanut butter cup. But for years, my youngest daughter, Cassidy, would always order a strawberry shake, like every time. And so one time she was like five or six years old, and I asked her, I said, Cassidy, why do you always get the strawberry shake? And she said, because that's my favorite, Daddy. And then she looked at me and she said, well, why do you always get the chocolate peanut butter shake? And I said, well, that's because it's my favorite. And she kind of processed that for a minute and went back to drinking her strawberry shake. Well, a few weeks later, we go back to Friendly's, and it's time to order again. But this time, Cassidy surprises me. She does something completely different. When the server asked what flavor of shake she wanted, she said she wanted chocolate peanut butter. And I was confused. I said, but Cassidy, I thought strawberry was your favorite. And she said, yeah, but I want to be like you, Daddy. And I was like, dude, like, what do you want? Because <laughs> you want a phone, you want a puppy, you want a brand new car, because anything you want, I would give to you right now just because you said that. But it made me think a little. Isn't it true that the more time you spend with a father who loves you, the more you want to be like him? You don't become less like Jesus by spending time with him. So since Jesus cares about people who are far from God, shouldn't we too? It's a spiritual impossibility, I believe, to say that you're walking with Jesus and not care about people that Jesus cares about. There is a world of people who are hurting and broken and spiritually dead, but too often Christians spend their time and energy focusing inward and arguing about the dumbest things like the style of music, the volume of music, the style of preaching, instead of caring about the real things that Jesus cares about. We are called to care about people who are far from God and to tell them about the hope that's found in Jesus. And there are three big reasons why people don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Number one is they don't know. They don't know. Some people just don't know the good news of Jesus. And we can make some crazy, crazy mistakes in life when we don't know something. My freshman year of college, I decided to broaden my horizons, and I took Japanese as a foreign language. 
And at the end of that school semester, the professor offered to take the entire class out to a Japanese sushi bar. Anybody here like sushi? Awesome. Yeah, I do too. But this was my very first experience having sushi. And so the professor, she ordered a variety of things. So we got to sample a bunch of different things. And at one point, they started to bring out some sauces. And one in particular caught my eye because it was green and it looked like guacamole, <laughs> which I love, by the way. But it had a very funny name, wasabi. <laughs> For those of you who like sushi, do you remember your first experience with wasabi? I think wasabi may have been made by Satan to give us a taste of what hell might be like, okay? Like if you have sinus problems today, head over to Kobe's and get yourself some wasabi and put some in your mouth and it'll be like a snot party flying out of your face at that point, okay? You're actually supposed to dilute it in soy sauce, not just take it straight. So I see this wasabi for the first time and I'm thinking in my head guacamole and I just smother a piece of sushi in it. And I start to put it in my mouth. And some of the students stared at me. And they smiled. Because <laughs> they knew what it was. And if I ever see those students again, I will punch them in their throat. Okay? But right as I put it in my mouth, my professor who's across the table, she sees what's going down. And she screams. And at that moment, everything kind of went in slow motion. It was like a matrix moment. And she was like, no. And in the back of my brain, some words began to form. <laughs> and these words made their way through, and it got by every single one of my filters, and it shot out of my mouth. And let's just say, I'm not proud of this, these words did not edify the Lord. I might have said God, it was not in a good context, okay? I didn't know about wasabi. If I would have known about wasabi, I would not have done that. People in our lives, our friends, our family members, our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, some of them, they don't know their spiritual condition. And for too long, Christians have gone up to people like that and they've said, get your life together. Stop drinking. Stop smoking. Stop cussing. And that's been our reaction to them. But it doesn't work. Why? Because they're spiritually dead. And they don't need our judgment and our condemnation. They need Jesus. But AJ, if I tell someone about Jesus, they might get offended. I would much rather someone get offended on this side of eternity and maybe find Jesus than be offended on the other side of eternity because I didn't have the courage and love to tell them that through Jesus, they didn't have to live like this anymore. Number one, they don't know. Number two, they don't believe. There are people outside the walls of the church, and some might even be here today, and they just don't believe that God could love them and save them. They believe they have such a shady past, they've done so many wrong things, that there is no way that God could possibly love them. Maybe you know some of these people. Because I hear people all the time tell me, well, if I went into a church, the building would probably burn down. I'll consider coming to God when I fix my life first. God may love other people, but he can't love me. Now, let's just be real for a minute. 
we have some pretty shady characters who attend this church. And I'm just talking about the worship team right now, okay? <laughs> We've got some jacked up people here, me included. But I would be willing to bet that nobody in here has had an affair with a married woman, gotten her pregnant, and then killed her husband to cover it up. Maybe I'm wrong. Don't raise your hand if that's you this morning, okay? But can we all admit that would be a pretty jacked up person, yes? Yeah, in the Bible, we know him as David. And when he repented of his sin, he became forever known as a man after God's own heart. The grace of God is amazing. It's miraculous. I want our church to be a place where it's okay to not be okay, and you can still come, and you can still connect, and you can still discover the God who loves you and who offers you a new life. Last one, number three, we won't go. We won't go. Um, shortly after our first child, Liberty, was born, my wife Julie and I quickly realized we needed a new bed. We only had this one bed, and, and at night, um, Liberty would get in bed with us, and as she got a little bit older, around one, one and a half, two years old, she had this amazing ability in the middle of the night to turn sideways on the bed. And she would shove me one direction and Julie the other, and we would be like falling off the bed at night. And for those of you um, without kids, you know, our teenagers, our college students and stuff who are in here, those of you without kids, um, I just want you to know you lose something after kids come in the picture. It's called sleep, okay? So we went out and we decided we were going to splurge, and we got this beautiful king-size bed with a top-of-the-line mattress. It was amazing. It had that extra pillow top cushion on it that just kind of hugged your body when you laid down on it. And then my folks, it was around Christmas time, they were awesome, and they got us like a down comforter and pillow set with some amazing high thread count sheets. Yeah, I see some women nodding their heads and amening. Men don't understand high thread count sheets, okay? We just use sheets until they dissolve like our underwear, okay? But this, this, was, this was a beautiful, high-quality bedding set. And for me, personally, I, I like the temperature a little bit colder at night. Like, I like to see my breath when I'm sleeping. Like, a penguin can roll into my room and be like, oh, it feels nice in here. Like, that's how I like it. Julie wears, like, 35 blankets on her body at night. But we settled down in this amazing king-size mattress with these down comforters and these high thread count sheet. And I was like hardcore comfortable. This was like the most amazing sleep. This was awesome. Now, Liberty, we had just started to move her into her own room, into her little toddler bed. And we always tell our kids, if you aren't feeling good, if you need us, just call and we'll be there. And so we're dead asleep in this Nirvana bed experience, okay? When all of a sudden I hear from the other room, oh, mommy, daddy. And I went, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> if you're a parent, don't judge me because you've done the same thing. But then she did it again. Oh, mommy, daddy. And I remember the decision. And Julie and I did it at the same time. We pushed off the covers, 
And we got out of our super comfortable bed and went to our little girl. But in order to get to her, we had to walk away from what was extremely comfortable. The problem with the church today is not that we don't have the Holy Spirit with us. It's that we're in a Tempur-Pedic mattress with a high thread count sheet and a down comforter, and we have tuned them out. Let me tell you something about these people. These people are desperate, and they're crying for hope. And it's going to take you and me getting out of our comfort zone and engaging them in a conversation to get them to a place where they can hear the good news of Jesus if we want to transform our communities and our world for God. I mean, we claim to follow a Savior who left heaven and came to earth to reach us. That's the Christmas story. We need to be willing to get out of our comfort zone and do whatever it takes to reach people and help them get connected to Jesus. In Luke 14, Jesus tells a story that explains what heaven is like. And we sometimes get caught up in thinking that heaven is a place where we get chubby and we float on a cloud with wings and a harp and it's boring all day. Where in the Bible did Jesus show up and it got boring? Like nowhere, right? Like Jesus showed up, people walk on water. Jesus showed up, he brings dead people back to life. Jesus shows up and he turns, we don't like to admit this, water into wine, right? Like that's a guy who you'd want to party with. And Jesus describes heaven as an incredible, incredible party. The greatest party of all time. Here's what he says in Luke 14, starting in verse 16. It says, Jesus replied that a certain man was preparing a great party, a great banquet, and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Continuing in verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, hey, I just bought a field. I have to go and see to it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, hey, I just got married. I can't come. When you invite people to come and hear about Jesus, some people are going to make excuses. Don't give up. Don't give up. Verse 14, verse 21, sorry. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry, and he ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets. Go into the alleys of the town, bring in the poor, bring in the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Why'd the master get angry? Because a high price had been paid for this party. And catch this, at that time, people with a physical ailment were also considered to have a spiritual ailment. I mean, the reason you're in that condition is you must have done something and God's not happy with you. But the master is saying, I want these people I want these people to come to my party. Church isn't for good people. Church is for all people. There are no good people. We're all jacked up. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. Last verse we're going to look at this morning, verse 22. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads the country lanes, and make them come in 
so that my house will be full. Church, there is still room for people who need to know Jesus. This Friday, 5 p.m., it's our Christmas Eve service, and we're going to be having a huge party as we present the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Who can you invest in and invite to come join us or to watch online? Who do you know that needs to hear the gospel? And are you willing to leave your comfort zone to reach them? Can we pray this morning? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Jesus, thank you for being the God who brings dead people back to life. I want to lift up in prayer those here today who might be feeling like dry bones. My prayer today is that they would hear that you, God, are not finished with them yet. If they're not dead, you're not done. He's got great plans for you. And you simply need to pray this prayer. Dear God, make these dry bones live. For most of us here, my prayer is that you would remind us that you're the God who left the comfort of heaven to rescue us. That that's the story of Christmas. And that we as your kids should be willing to get out of our comfort zones and be used by you to reach a world full of people that you desperately care about, that you desperately love. Help us, Jesus, to be more like you. Help us to have the courage and the boldness to grab some invitation cards, to have some conversations, to invite some people to connect with Jesus. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we respond to what God might be speaking to you right now, I invite you to stand and let us sing with the worship team as we...
incredible story in your word of Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones. Father, for, for those here who might be just feeling spiritually dehydrated, God, I pray for just an inflow of your power, your strength, your Holy Spirit. Breathe new life into dry bones. Father, if we're not dead, you're not done. Greater things are yet to come in the lives of your people. Father God, we also, we also thank you that that you're a God who cares, that you're a God who, who desires to bring people into a personal relationship with you, so much so that the Christmas story teaches that you left the comforts of heaven to come to earth, to save us, to save us from our sins, to restore us into a relationship with you. God, help us to have that kind of courage to be willing to get out of our comfort zones, to grab some invite cards, to make some phone calls, to invite some people in our lives to come and hear the good news of Jesus. God, I pray that you would give us boldness this week, that you would fill us with your spirit when we don't know what words to say, that you would speak through us, Father God, so that lives could be changed and that it could have eternal, eternal consequences. God, we love you. Give us the courage to do what we need to do. We pray these things today in the powerful name of your Son, in Jesus' name. 
God bless you guys. Hope you have an awesome week and hope to see you on Christmas Eve this morning.